Well, if you would have been a disciple, those last few days would have been a blur. Even just the Passover meal itself, you experienced a full range of emotions. Joy and excitement to confusion to fear. And then you go into the weekend and it's like just the opposite. Friday would have begun with fear. You were fearful in that early morning hour before the sun had even come up. It was dark outside when hundreds... Think about this. Hundreds of Roman soldiers came to arrest one man. And you were there with him. And from there, it became a rush of confusion because Jesus was then taken into custody. He was wrongly accused. He was brutally beaten. And then he was crucified on a cross like a common criminal. As a disciple of Christ, your head would be spinning at this point. You fully expected Jesus to rule as king. That's all you could think about during that Passover meal. And now, now, he hung dead on a cross. And it doesn't make sense. And then after that, you saw them take that dead body and then place it in a tomb. Everything you had hoped for died that day. But what happened on Sunday changes everything. We're going to look at the passage again that that, uh, Carrie read this morning. So let me read it to you again. For on the first day of the week, in early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they had entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And the women were terrified, and their faces were on the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while you were still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, and then... They remembered his words. Jesus has risen just as he said he would, and they remembered his words. Jesus predicted his own death. He told his disciples more than once, we will go into Jerusalem, I will suffer at the hands of the religious leaders, I will be killed, and then I will rise again on the third day. It had all been communicated. The Bible tells us that over the next 40 days after the resurrection of Christ, that he appeared in bodily form uh, as in witnesses of of many people. In fact, when when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he tells them that, that Jesus actually appeared to over 500 people, many of whom were still alive. So if you don't believe me, go ask them. In addition to that, we know that he spoke often about the kingdom of God, it tells us that over those 40 days, he presented many signs and and wonders. And all of a sudden, that that confusion about what was going on began to be replaced with some anticipation. It was not what they expected at all. But after seeing Jesus and listening to what he had to say, they were not just excited, it was better than they had ever imagined. Now, 
most of you in church this morning know the Easter story very well. In fact, I bet most of, if not all of you, believe that that Easter story is true, and you should, because there is so much convincing proof to support the claims of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was a real person. That's an historical fact. The Bible is the most authenticated piece of literature in the history of the world. That's a fact. But not only that, I think the most convincing proof is thousands of years of transformed lives because of what had happened on that day. You know, if you just think about the disciples, they were in fear and hiding. And all of a sudden, at the resurrection of Christ, they were willing to die for what they believed. In fact, they were. The disciples were martyred. You do not do that unless you have convincing proof that this is true. And for many of you in this room, you have that proof too because your life has been changed by the transforming work of God's love. And it's just as real to you as it was to them. And yet, knowing and and even believing all the facts about who Jesus is is never enough. You have to have resurrection faith. Let me kind of explain to you what that means by continuing with some of the accounts that took place on Resurrection Sunday. Matthew 28, 11 explains it this way. It says in verse 11, Now while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. So let me tell you what's going on here. This is Resurrection Sunday. These are Roman soldiers who are going to the religious leaders to tell them all that had happened. They were placed there out of fear by the religious leaders that the body of Jesus might be stolen. Now, if you're like me and you hear that, you're thinking, well, why would someone want to steal a dead body? doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, here's why it does, because the religious leaders also knew the promises that Jesus had made. They were fully aware that he predicted his own death and his resurrection on the third day. And the last thing they wanted to see happen is for the disciples to come along, take the body of Jesus, and then try to convince everybody, oh, look, Jesus is not here. He must have risen from the dead, just like he said. So in order to prevent that from happening, they put a whole guard of Roman soldiers around the tomb of Jesus Christ. And not only that, they took a stone that was too heavy for any one man to move, and they rolled that stone in front of the tomb. And not only that, it says that they sealed the tomb, likely with a a, a strip of clay that would have taken that space up. It was probably sealed with a mark of the Roman Empire, kind of like you would seal a letter in those days to, to prove that it was protected and truly done by the rulers. Over time, that clay would have hardened like a rock. So in many ways, the tomb was glued shut. That's how serious they were. Now, these Roman soldiers who had been guarding that tomb have now gone back to the religious leaders who put them there in the first place. And it, t- it says that they are telling the religious leaders all that had happened. Again, my curiosity's up right now because I want to know, what did those guys say? What did they tell them that they experienced? Well, I think the Scripture lets us know exactly what they said. In chapter 28, 
of Matthew in verse 1, it says, Now, after the Sabbath, as it began at dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment was as white as snow. And the guards, the guards shook with fear of him and became like dead men. And the angels answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said he would. Come. See the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples. As he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to report this to the disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. This is what the soldiers told the religious leaders. The guards were there. They saw everything that we just read with their own eyes. Think about this. They were eyewitnesses to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. They saw it. They were there. They were eyewitnesses to that dead body being taken from the cross and placed in the tomb. They were there. They saw it. They were eyewitnesses to the resurrection, the earthquake, and the appearance of these angels who said, Jesus is not here. He's risen. Go look for yourself. He's not in the grave. That's what they were telling the religious leaders. But just because they knew all the facts and saw it with their own eyes doesn't mean that they believed. Look at verse 12. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they, the guards, took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. The main reason that these Roman guards went to the religious leaders is because they feared for their life. They had been given a duty to guard the tomb of Jesus, and Jesus was gone, which means they failed to fulfill their duty. And in the Roman system, those guards at best would have been imprisoned, at worst would have been executed. That's why in verse 14, the religious leaders say, look, Just go along with our story and we'll talk to the governor and make sure you stay out of trouble. So think about this. Nobody had more evidence than the guards who were there that day. They saw everything with their own eyes. And yet, 
Think about this. Yet they were unwilling to risk their life for what they knew to be true. That's because knowing all the facts is never enough. You have to have resurrection faith. See, the disciples were willing to die for the truth. And that became evident in the years that followed. These men were not willing to make that same sacrifice. Let me tell you how I would define resurrection faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. That's resurrection faith. It's believing that what God had promised, he in fact is able to perform. That's resurrection faith. You see, the Roman soldiers were more fearful of the Roman rulers than they were of God. That's a fact. The Roman soldiers were more concerned about punishment of men than the judgment of God. They were willing to accept a lie rather than risk their life for the truth. As I mentioned earlier, I'm sure that many, if not all of the people in the room today, know the Easter story and believe that it's true. But knowing the facts is never enough. You must have resurrection faith. And let's just consider what that means in our life today. Remember, resurrection faith is believing that what God promised, He is able to perform. Well, God has promised that Christ's death paid the penalty for our sins. It is all throughout Scripture. One of those places that you may not have looked at very often, but it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, and it says this. And he himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we are healed. When you believe that that's what God promised, and in fact he is able to perform, that's resurrection faith. No matter what you've done, no matter how big your sin is, you believe that if God has promised to forgive your sins, then he in fact will accomplish what he said would be true. That what Christ accomplished has made you clean. If that's what you believe, then that's resurrection faith. But not only that he's made you clean, it goes on to say that Jesus also released you from the power of sin's control. God promised that if you put your faith in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. So you may struggle with with addictions and, and, and sinful habits, and there's a part of you that might say, Well, I I don't know that I'll ever be able to overcome this, but resurrection faith says that you will. Resurrection faith believes that God is bigger than any of your sinful bad habits. In fact, the scripture tells us that there is no temptation, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful and just, not to allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but in everything. He will provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. Resurrection faith believes that God's power is perfected in our weakness. And what that means is when I get to the place where I give up and I give myself to God, that's when His power comes through. That's resurrection faith. 
Resurrection faith believes that God can bring healing to broken relationships. Some of you may be in a marriage that feels like it's dead. There's literally no life left in your love. Resurrection faith believes that God can bring the dead to life. And I want you to know that I've seen the evidence of that truth lived out in this church. There are relationships, there are marriages in this church that have been resurrected from the dead. You would have looked at them and you would have said, there is no possible way this is going to work. And it did. It did because those people had resurrection faith. And when they got to the end of themselves, they finally decided to invite God in and he performed a miracle in their marriage. I've seen it. I know it's true. That's resurrection faith. Resurrection faith believes that if you're single, that God's love is enough to give you a lifetime of contentment. Resurrection faith says that when you have sickness or disease, or you're facing your own mortality, that there's still a chance to live with hope. It's like my brother, when he battled cancer, said to me, face-to-face, in the hospital room, Todd, <laughs> you have to understand, God made a promise. And God promised that I would be healed. He said, I don't know if it's on this side of heaven or the next, but I will be healed. Because what God promised, he is able to perform. That's resurrection faith. Because here's the reality. I'm dying. And don't be alarmed because so are you. Right? I'm dying. You're dying. But Jesus is alive. And there is nobody in this room who would argue the, the fact that death is reality. It is something that we will all have to face. But Jesus said that whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. Resurrection faith believes that's true. It believes that this world is not our home. It believes that we were made for so much more. It believes that death is not the end. But in fact, it's the beginning of something new. And whatever you might think it looks like, it's exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. Resurrection faith believes that what Jesus accomplished, he accomplished for you. You can believe all the facts. You can think about all those events and know that they were true. But there were some eyewitnesses who could say the same. And yet they chose to walk away and were unwilling to risk their life for what they knew to be true. Resurrection faith actually requires a sacrifice. That you are willing to lay down your life for the sake of the one who gave his life for you. Resurrection faith says that you will continue to live with a mission and a purpose given to you by God to declare the Easter story, as Carrie said, every single day. Resurrection life 
for those who have put their faith in Christ is every single day. And so my prayer this morning is that if you came in here knowing what Easter's all about and you were telling yourself, oh, I've heard this story before, well, I hope you walk out of here hearing it different than you ever have. Because you've realized that what he accomplished, he accomplished for you. And that you would be able to look at those events with a different set of eyes and have resurrection faith. There's a story in the Bible of Lazarus, who was the brother of Martha and Mary. And Martha's having a conversation with Jesus after Lazarus has died. There's lots of confusion, as you might expect. And so, listen to the words that Jesus spoke to Martha to put her mind at ease. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha said, I do. Here in a moment, we're fixing to celebrate some baptisms. And these are some young men and young women who have been faced with the very same question. Do you believe this? And they have said, and I have sat down and visited with each of them personally, and I'm convinced that they believe that this is true. They have resurrection faith. And and we're going to celebrate that testimony of faith on Resurrection Sunday. And I pray that as you hear that testimony, you consider what it means for you, because we are all going to answer the same question. Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning and prepare for the blessing of baptism, when we rejoice in the testimony of faith of these young men and young women and see how they have been raised up in homes where the story of Easter was lived out each day, and they saw the evidence of transformed lives, and they desired to see that same work of transformation in their life as well. Lord, may we see these as a picture of what you accomplish and may it add to the celebration of what it means to have a new life in Christ. You have risen just as you said you would.